Life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Yes, indeed. We all go through a rough time during this pandemic. And it is undeniable that the pandemic has changed our lives big time. I am Jani Santos and welcome to Make a Life. Here, we will talk about how the pandemic has changed our lives and how we can make it better despite all the changes. So, let's get it on! Last week's episode talked about the signs to look out for and how to deal with toxic people in every area of our lives. Today, we will try to look on ourselves. Are we becoming toxic? This episode is very confronting because we will talk about toxicity within ourselves. Of course, there's a difference between being toxic and acting toxic. The first is when it's ingrained in our personality and we actively enjoy hurting others. The second corresponds to aspects of our behaviors. Sometimes without knowing it, these toxic behaviors can take us over. Think about it as a muscle into which you're unknowingly pumping metaphorical steroids and soon it looks like the Hulk. The good news is, with a little self-reflection and asking for feedback from others, we can become aware of these habits and eradicate them so we can become better people. Here are a few of the most common behaviors that even good people can develop that might actually be hurting those around them, as well as how to change course for the better. Number 1. You are always sarcastic. Sarcasm is the caustic use of irony in which words are used to communicate the opposite of their surface meaning, in humorous way or to mock someone or something. It can be funny, but not when you're on the receiving end. It's easy for this to be your default mode if you work in an industry that's all about acting tough and masking emotions, or if you grew up in a family where 99% of your conversations are sarcastic quips, I told you so's or remarks designed to one-up another person. People who only look for the negative can be incredibly draining to be around in the long run. The teasing, even the good jest, will start to feel like carefully cloaked animosity. And here's what you can do about it. We all know how terrible it feels to be the target of such remarks, especially when we're in the vulnerable state. So before you open your mouth, ask yourself, how would I feel if I were sharing something about my life or thoughts and someone gave me such a response? Number two, you deal with conflict in a roundabout way. Conflict is uncomfortable. We don't like to deal with tricky situations directly. And so, we devise ways of getting around them. But if you're always beating around the bush and then secreting hostility via sullen behavior, stubbornness and subtle insults, it just amplifies the problem and turns a single conflict into a larger issue. No matter how logical our arguments or how upset we might be over what's happening, passive aggressiveness is painful and not helpful to anyone. It's a cancer in relationships. What you can do about it? Know that difficult conversations are scarier in our heads than in reality. We simply haven't had enough practice. The more you have these conversations, the easier they become. The rule of thumb you can subscribe to is to ask yourself, how can I say this in a way that is kind and useful? Number three, everything is a competition. Telling someone how you went through a similar experience as they did is different from trying to show how you've had it worse. 
The first is where you show you resonate with the other person and use the empathy to connect. The second is a competition. It's true that many people have been conditioned to have some sort of seemingly objective metric of what's worse. We prioritize physical health ailments over mental health difficulties. And for anyone who appears to be living comfortably, we dismiss it with the label first world problems over someone who is in abject conditions. Sometimes we're filled with indignation if we've been through worse and think, how dare they? Or sometimes we genuinely believe someone is being weak and should just suck it up because we have done so ourselves. Importantly, we need to be aware of these biases and to realize that pain isn't a competition. Regardless of a person's diagnosable condition or lifestyle, pain is pain. When we try to convince them their situation isn't so bad, we are effectively invalidating their experiences and alienating them. To fix this, be aware of why you feel the need to compete. Is it because this is the only way you'll feel validated or feel some respite from your experiences? Sometimes, honesty is the best gift we can give ourselves, no matter how scary it is. This way, we can truly have empathy for ourselves and others. Number four, you turn everything into a joke. We've all met the person who ends everything with haha and it has to make a joke out of everything, even the most serious and saddest stuff. Maybe it's because we don't know how to deal with a situation, or we feel uncomfortable as it rips open old emotional wounds, so we try to escape via lightheartedness. To fix this, well, it's okay. You don't need to have the answer to everything right now. Simply say, I feel a little uncomfortable and uncertain because I'm not used to this. This is a lot more respectful than laugh, laughing and can help your loved one and you deepen your relationship as you navigate the complications of being human. Number five, five. you want to fix everyone and everything. Some of us are naturally rescuers and fixers. Maybe you've been trained to preempt and solve problems. Or we unconsciously get drawn to similar relationships to fix a dynamic we were in when we were younger. Or maybe you simply love to provide solutions. But this is a form of emotional labor. And as the work piles up, so do our distress and resentments. Put simply, other people aren't our projects. And just because we can solve a problem doesn't mean we should. The responsibility is squarely in the hands of the issue holder who may not even see it as a problem. What you can do about it? Here's the deal. Sometimes, people aren't asking for solutions or even for a listening ear, but we unwittingly create trauma from non-existent wounds by probing. What we can do instead is ask, do you want to talk about it? If they say no, offer to be here if they change their minds. And if a person did not ask for advice, simply say, I have a suggestion. Would you like to hear it? Additionally, recognize that you don't need to fix everyone. Learn to accept people's flaws, help them when asked, and if necessary, withdraw from those relationships where the person's behaviors are seriously affecting you in a negative way. There's no need for you to shoulder every single person's problems and accompany them all on their development journeys. Number six, you secretly crave disaster because of the care you receive from it. 
when we want to make a change, there are usually two sides of us in conflict. One side desires transformation, but the other doesn't, because it has something to gain from the status quo. Much as we hate to admit it, a part of us may enjoy the attention from the drama and the subsequent pity parties we throw. A sign that we love the attention from pity parties is that we ask for solution only to shoot them down. It's a way of opening a conversation with someone else, bathing in their attention and care and convincing ourselves we're seeking help. But things never shift. While this might feel good for ourselves, it puts a lot of strain on our friends, who need to continue picking up after us. We should, of course, feel free to lean on our network when we need help, but constantly injecting negativity into their lives just because we enjoy feeling the extent of their love is not fair to them. What can you do to fix this? If you feel a part of your life has become a consistently deteriorating train wreck where the majority of your interactions are centered around getting this attention, it's time to get it together. Commit to stop managing the problem and its symptoms and to instead start actually the mastering the situation by mastering yourself. Think about a time when things were good, when you were in control and when you liked who you were your integrity and energy. Tap into how that feels and use that energy to propel your momentum and strategy toward finding that person again. Number, Number seven. seven. You think pointing out someone's flaws will help them to change. One of the most mortifying situations is when someone well-intentioned gathers others to shame you for a flaw, thinking this will whip you into action. We hear of such stories in families where the flaw may be a mental health difficulty or bad skin day. If you do this, know that it's hurtful and alienating. Most of us are aware when we're a shadow of our old selves. And if it is sliding in the wrong direction, we are busy trying to adjust or even mourn the loss of our old selves. Adding salt to the wound only triggers more shame and anxiety. To fix this, what you could say instead would be something like, I've noticed this change in you and I'm here for you if you ever want to talk. Then leave the ball in their court. Number eight. You tell everyone to just change their mindset. We often tell each other to just cheer up, stop thinking that, or be logical. Effectively applying cognitive Photoshop to our negative emotions because these feelings are uncomfortable or socially unpalatable. It is irrational to put a rational filter over everything. Here's what you can do about it. The only way to master your emotions and difficult situations is to feel them. We must wholly acknowledge their part in our lives as signals and sources of wisdom rather than to just suck it up. Unfortunate situations happen and they don't just get reset by the push of a mental button our mindset transplanted into our heads. Instead of telling someone to simply change the way they're thinking, just sit down with them and be a source of emotional comfort. Let them earnestly convey their emotions out loud to you without judgment. Sometimes, this is all that's needed for them to regain some semblance of emotional equilibrium so they can set out to tackle their problems. Number 9. You push your truth on others. When we discover a solution, especially after feeling stuck for a long time, we want to shout it out from the mountaintops. 
whether it's the secret to weight loss or finding spiritual salvation, we hope our loved ones will reap those benefits. We believe that an extra person subscribing to our truth makes it more valid. Forcing our truths down someone else's throat just feels as uncomfortable and invasive as the metaphor suggests. Moreover, just because something's worked for you doesn't mean it'll work for someone else. Solutions must be tailored to someone's personality, experience, and situation for maximum success. To fix this, remember that you're their loved one, not their doctor or coach. Your role isn't to heal or save them, simply the best example for them. Live your life the way you'd like someone else to have been your role model. When they are ready and start asking you, you can gently open the conversation. We are fundamentally copycats. We learn behaviors by modeling others, and sometimes we have their own role models. Other times, we run into a bad spate in life, get jaded, and see the world through a pessimistic lens, and so our toxic behaviors grow. But having them in one chapter of our lives doesn't mean we're condemned to them forever. Instead, pinpointing the root and committing to personal growth can help us to find our old selves again or create the new self that is stronger. Having integrated the wisdom of a difficult chapter in our lives, as you start to detox, take pride in your growth. This coming new year is a great time to start our self-reflection and look inside ourselves. It's time to turn over a new leaf and begin to change our toxic behaviors. Just because we've had some toxic behaviors isn't cause for shame. Rather, knowing that we've transcended them is actually cause for pride. Understanding our own toxic behavior develops empathy for why we do the things we do, hones our self-awareness, and helps us to become better people. Acknowledgement is the first step of that journey. Let's take it one step at a time. And there you have it, guys. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned a lot from this episode. You know, changing your toxic behavior will never be easy. Just take it one step at a time. Thank you for listening. If you like more of this content, feel free to subscribe to my podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast, or in any listening platform you're into. This is Janice, signing off.